But um, today we are continuing with a series that we've called Roots. Um, and if you're newer to Fieldstone, our mission here is to transform family trees with the gospel. And a part of that is an opportunity to see what God has done in the lives of some of our individuals here, some of our families. Um, and so the last three or four weeks, we've had different people on stage just with an opportunity to share a little bit of their story and go beneath the surface of their lives. Because you have your interaction around the coffee bar, and some of you are drinking way too much of the bourbon barrel coffee. I can see you staggering around. Um, uh, we just have that to chase the Baptists away. Uh, so no big deal. Um, it's okay. I'm a, I'm a recovering Baptist too. Uh, it's all good. Um, uh, but you have some of those conversations, and you meet at the kids' check-in, and you, sometimes you sit by the same people. But the crazy stuff never comes out, right? Like, you know, hey, how's it going? How's work? All that kind of stuff. And so this is an opportunity for, for some of our Fieldstone families to share a little bit beneath the surface of, of what might normally come out. Um, and so today we have Brian and Miriam Champagne, and uh, we're super excited to hear their story. And many of you guys know them. If you don't know them, you've at least seen them up here leading worship. Um, so they're our worship team leads. They were part of our launch team last summer, so we're, we were excited to have them with us. And... They are, even though Brian is super old, <laughs> expecting their first child here in September. So we're excited about that. Um, 69 this summer, right, Brian? Uh, yeah, we're going to name him uh, Isaac. I think. Isaac. No, <laughs> that's right. It's actually a girl. That's right. That's right. Um, so we're excited for them. No, Brian's not 69, but he is old. Um, make no mistake. <laughs> Um, but no, we, we go way back. We've had an opportunity to, to serve together over the years, and uh, it was just a huge joy, uh, in, in many ways a miracle, that they came to be a part of our launch team, and, and it's been great to have them here with us at Fieldstone. So um, let, let's get into it, um, and we've got some Kleenex here in case I get emotional. Uh, um, it's for me. It's, it's, oh, it's for, yeah, yeah. Well, Miriam's pregnant, so you just never know when she's going to start crying. <laughs> My name's Miriam. No, uh, it's all good. Don't let my lack of emotion uh, squelch yours. No, it's good. Um, okay, so why don't you guys uh, tell us how long have you been married, um, and then kind of how did how and where did you guys meet for the first time? Well, um, we've been married seven years. It'll be eight years in October, and um, we met actually at um, a rehab center. <laughs> a rehab. <laughs> a one-year-long Christian rehabilitation center. That doesn't really make it better, but... No. Okay. But they describe the name okay, as now Christian here's the Bible thing. Institute. Here's the thing. If you weren't with us last week, we heard from uh, John and Tracy. They met at church, and then the story was downhill from there. You guys met at rehab. I'm hoping that we take a different trajectory. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, okay, so, so tell really us, uh, like, what was this place called? How so Life Challenge is what it's called, and okay. um, I went there... I. I went there, and I'll share more about my story, but um, I was there in um, November. Well, I went there in April of 2007, and then Brian came in at in November of 2007. So I'd been there a while. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Okay, so if you And both in the program, you're not really allowed. In that program, you're not allowed to talk to men, look at men, anything. Well, like that's probably way to go. I know. So, but <laughs> <laughs> there was actually no relationship that started until like way after we had both finished the program. So. Your marriage is built on lies. <laughs> no. Um, okay. So Disobedience. You, yeah, that's right. That's a good foundation for anybody who's thinking about getting married out there. Um, okay. So you both ended up at rehab. Yep. So clearly you both have some type of a story that leads to that point. So let's, let's split it up here. Brian, we'll start with you. Um, First, tell us about kind of the early years of Brian Champagne. What, what were you into? How'd you grow up? Uh, what were some of the skill sets that you had as you got into adulthood? 
uh, I grew up um, twice a year Catholic. Okay. Um, we called our well, I found it priesters. Yes, somebody said priesters. <laughs> good, good for you. Uh, and nothing against that, but it was a, it was a foundation. And I knew God was banging on my door even then mm-hmm. as a kid, but I just I was really didn't know what that was all like. And my brother. Um, We've talked recently, and he's like, you had a shiny spirit when you were a kid. I'm like, thanks. He's like, dude, what happened? Um, <laughs> and I guess for my entire childhood, it was inundated with music. I started playing when I was uh, five years old uh, in a uh, family of um, hillbillies, because we were hillbillies, right? So mm-hmm. every Friday night, we get together, um, and I learned to play guitar by Uncle Harry. Uh, every time I got a wrong note, he'd throw an empty beer can at me <laughs> and hit me in the head with that. Stop you know. laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop laughing. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Dysfunctional. Don't yeah, tra- yeah, yeah. train a child in the way they should go. Not that way, though. Yeah. Okay? And so that's that was my childhood, okay. kind of growing on up. Um, with that, though, I escaped through, did high school, got into college, um, graduated uh, high school with a 1.8 GPA, which was astounding, but redid all that. Well done. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, but I did go to uh, to Macomb Community College and became a, a Macomber, which is a show choir. Ma- oh. So Macombers is a show choir, Okay. Uh, singing, dancing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we did all kinds of great stuff. And you had to audition for the group and was actually able to graduate with a 3.8 GPA. Nice. So I had to redo everything. You know, I okay. took all the 009 classes and everything like that, but redid everything. So it was cool. Okay. And was able to actually go from there uh, to Wayne State University um, and wrap this up, what, in two minutes? <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I'll stop you if Give you get me boring. Yeah. So <laughs> at that time, uh, I was playing in a rock band, um, and it was the first time that I ever heard... Um, God spoke spoke to me, uh, not to be super ultra spiritual. I was on a bar table in this place downtown. It's called Harpo's. Maybe some of you have heard of it. I'm on this bar table. I'm standing there, and I'm singing, I'm on the highway to hell. And hmm. uh, this voice inside me goes, you are. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I need to quit the rock band thing, I guess. And quit yeah, that the rock was, band yeah, thing. Yeah, the, the rock band was the problem. Yeah, sure. That was a rock band. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. And it started a life of, of pointing fingers, of blaming other things, and you know, we'll get into the story later on, but that was the start of it was this gotcha. and not the ownership of what was going on inside gotcha. me. So, um, went to college, went to Ball State University, Wayne State University, Oakland University, Eastern Michigan University. I ended up with uh, five degrees in vocal music education, choral conducting, uh, hmm. studied Jacchetti Ballet, and ended up with K through 12. Uh, vocal music degree, choral general music uh, from Ball State, and started teaching, got my first teaching job up in Manistee, Michigan, had a three-story Victorian manor, uh, a wife, I was Captain Plastic, and had it all, I was Hmm. in touch with close to 1,200 students uh, every week, um, and was in charge of District 16 for old teachers, back then we used to call it Bloom's Taxonomy, and I was in charge of uh, helping to develop that curriculum for the state of Michigan, and part of that, uh, integrating lummy sticks and the whole business with, and my world was about Hmm. me, and uh, as much success that I could do. Yeah. So I was on top of it. Yeah, I could could look, literally, from my bathroom, crawl up my moonroof, look out and look over Lake Michigan, so it was pretty 
Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So, so looking back, let's say everything had continued on that trajectory. Where, where could you have gone? What, what did the future look like for you? Or what were some of your dreams based on what you were experiencing in that time? Oh, my dreams. I mean, I was already being nominated for who's who of uh, teachers across America. Mm. Um, having invites to Carnegie Hall with our uh, Gifted Children's Choir program. Wow. I'd, uh, and I was kind of really, uh, you know, I love kids. Kids love me. And there's kind of like this like Pied Piper thing, yeah. right? I did not know at that time that God had given that as a gift to me. I thought it mm. was something to be manipulated, you know. Sure. So I'm like teaching kids to sing in four foreign languages, you know, uh, French, German, African, yeah. you know, and, and they'd do it because I'd say, you can do this, and I believe in them, and, and, yeah. and they, they do it, but there were, um, you know, there were also horrible things that I was doing as a teacher that were not good, you know, things like tell your child, you know, hey, go stick your finger in a light socket and jumpstart your brain. Funny to me, not to the child, not mm -hmm. to the parents, and different things like that that I was out of control. Yeah. And so even in the midst of some of the success, there were little signs looking back that there was some brokenness taking. Oh yeah, yeah, just some, you know, really yeah. you know, things. And, and when I uh lost that teaching job, uh I thought it was the world was against me and mm. the system and screw the man. Because the whole time that you were Experiencing all the success, you were also struggling with major addiction issues. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Do. So that, yeah. Be that becomes the question, you know, yeah. where do you go from this successful young music teacher, choir director, et cetera, et cetera, to rehab? Like, what happened to go from that to ending up at ultimately at Life Challenge? Well, because uh, I went to Life Challenge two times. Okay. All right. So, well, we'll, we'll sell those quick, quickly together. Yeah. At this time, during this um, episode, I had gotten in a really horrible car accident prior to starting teaching. Okay. And had uh, a good chunk of my face ripped on off. Uh, it split me right down the middle and ended up having uh, many, multiple la facial lacerations, so like 83 stitches across, and then sewed me back up. Went through three wow. years, dermabrasion, uh, speech pathology to learn how to talk. Got my teeth, started getting jacked up. Out of that stemmed an eating disorder, hmm. um, which I was already consumed with the way that I look and my body and my appearance and all that, and it continued to go and go and go. Um, through my first marriage, it really, that eating disorder, bulimia nervosa, um, do we have young children in here? I hope not. But it, it got really graphic to a point in my marriage that I was lining up uh, hiding buckets of uh, vomit from my wife and putting it in wow. our back room and then taking it on out and, you know, throwing it out in the middle of the day, burying it, whatever, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so this duplicity of that and then also with drinking, because in college I started drinking and mm. moved from just a glass of wine to a bottle of wine to this doesn't work, let's progress to a pint of vodka you know, right. a day. And so I'm doing this whole drinking, this dual diagnosis thing, or dual addiction thing, mm -hmm. to the point of by 1987, um, my addictions uh, had driven me to the Mayo Clinic. You ever heard the phrase, you know, I'm ready for the Mayo Clinic, and behold, we made it there, right? Mm -hmm. And um, went there for treatment um, the first of uh, 33 treatment centers, eight mental institutions, and uh, I ended up flatlining three times over the whole course. You know, I'm really shortening up the story on that. Um, but so you were like medically dead several times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When you flatline, wow. you know, type of yeah. thing, respiratory failure. 
And wow. um, God had other you know, plans. My sister, uh, she was at my hospital bed one time, and uh, she's like, Jesus loves you. I'm like, screw Jesus. I hate Jesus. And she's like, you suck at this suicide thing. You might want to give Jesus a try because you can't kill yourself. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> You're really straight for you. Know, she didn't really mince too many yeah, words. Yeah. And this uh, is why we're doing yeah. this interview this week and not next week when all the elementary well, kids are yes. here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can do the safe one next week. But it was, there was just so much of my life that was in turmoil. And that was the mm-hmm. first time that I ended up at Life Challenge. Um, through, and that was in 1999. And I ended up the next seven years, which is really kind of a strange number, uh, of God doing this thing of chasing me. And I had gotten uh, married to another woman uh, because she wasn't Miss Right, but she was Miss Right now. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm going to do this. You know? and, I, and I knew scriptures. So I went through Life Challenge, which was Teen Challenge back then. Okay. Went through the practice. And here was a difference. I learned how to work for God, but I not, did not learn to work with him. And there was a big difference. Mm-hmm. I knew all the scripture. I played the religion game. And when I got out, I was a dangerous menace to society because now I, I went down to that whole Brownsville revival thing. And, you know, doing all the, the, you know, speaking in tongues and everything. And the Holy Spirit felt. And God did have a whole of my life. Mm-hmm. But I wanted a part of it still. And he was like, no, it's all or nothing. So I ended yeah. up uh, basically... Life run amok. Now it's 2007, and I've got three drunk drivings, um, all the history of all the um, mental institutions, flatline, mm-hmm. da 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 da. And I'm in a jail cell of uh, 2007. Hmm. And that led to the second trip to, to Life Channel. Yeah, because in that jail cell was the second time I ever heard about. Um, I heard from God in my life, and all through those seven years, he's like, I really want you to go back to Life Challenge. I, I started having dreams. I had visions, right, of standing in what's Reverence Hall. Re- Reverence Hall, real quick, is a hallway that you have to stand at Reverence for five minutes and just think about Jesus and give thanks to God. At this point in my life, I'm like, that's a cool deal. What a cool deal just to have five quiet minutes with <laughs> Jesus, right? But at that time, it was training me, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's torture to a lot yeah. of kids, guys there. So I'm yeah. having these dreams of being in Reverence Hall, and I'm like, I don't know why. I don't want to go back to Life Challenge, God. I do. I will not. Go. I will not go. And yeah. so now I'm in a jail cell, and he's like that Jonah thing. He's like, How about that Life Challenge thing? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what a deal! Yeah, yeah I'd love to yeah. go. So he just made it the better alternative. Yeah, he yeah. did. Awesome. He made it a better alternative. Okay. All right. So let's switch gears, Miriam. How about you? Because I know you. Your background, like you grew up in church, right? Like your dad was a pastor. Tell us about that and kind of your early years and how that ended up leading into some of your struggles. Yeah, my dad's a pastor. Um, I grew up in a church about this size. You know, um, we we lived kind of a lot of different places. My parents are not perfect, but um, they definitely lived out the gospel in front of us. We talked about what it means to be a Christian. We had dinner together every night. I mean, it was a good a good home to grow up in. Um, <clears throat> when I was four, I accepted Christ. And, you know, you think about four, my gosh, how could a child know, you know, what it means to accept Christ? But I knew that I knew that I wanted Jesus in my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> that same year, I began being molested by men in the church, different men. I think there was four total. Wow. And so 
you know, from four to the time that we moved from there, which was about 10 or 11, um, I was molested on and off through that whole time. So, you know, I, I never, I, I didn't necessarily feel angry at God, but I was like, it didn't make sense to me how God could let that happen. You know, because you hear all the time that God is loving and, and what children hear in church is that, you know, God takes care of us, right? So how could God let something like that happen to us? And so that always was a huge question in my mind. So I did all the right things for all the wrong reasons. I, you know, had Christian friends. I went to a Christian university. And towards the end of my time in Christian university, I, um, you know, because I wanted, I went into social work. And um, towards, towards the end of that, I began binge drinking on the weekends. Because um, I was, you know, the whole time that I was in um, Christian school, like, I went on missions trips. I, I had been warned against, you know, using drugs and alcohol. Um, but I, I guess I needed to figure it out on my own. So I began binge drinking, and it was like finally I felt the relief from all the pain from the past. And it was like, oh, this is what I've been looking for. And um, <clears throat> so within eight years, I'd become a full-blown uh, crack cocaine addict. Wow. I was smoking crack every day. Um, I was drinking, I was starting to um, uh, kind of experiment with heroin and methadone, and um, so it was really scary. And there were times, uh, my family did an intervention, one time on Thanksgiving they showed up at my house. <laughs> I had been using all night, and I looked out the window and I saw my dad's car, and I was like, crap, why are they here? <laughs> well, because I didn't show up for Thanksgiving, that's why. And I was supposed to. So, so you know, there was that point, and I still continued to, to have trouble. And I, it was like I really wanted to stop using drugs, but I really didn't think it was possible. Like, I had tried. There was t lots of times I went through treatment, and it just I just had such trouble um, being able to, to stop. So, um, so anyway, uh, fast forward to uh, Good Friday of 2007. I um, was in a dope house. Using, I'm sorry. And I remember I hadn't, I hadn't talked to God in years. And I said to him, I said, if you can do something, please do something, because I can't live like this anymore. And um, I overdosed that day. And God knows that I had done more drugs, I had drank more alcohol than that day. But for some reason, I overdosed that day. And um, I ended up in a coma. Um, the people that I was using with, they, they called the ambulance, but the, the EMTs had to break down the door because no one would answer the door. Mm. And um, so, and you know, I was blue. There was foam coming out of my mouth and my nose. And um, so they were pretty sure that, you know, I wouldn't regain consciousness. You know, my, my family gathered, and, <clears throat> and they were told that if I did wake up that I would which I probably wouldn't, but if I did, I would not have total brain function. And um, so uh, I did wake up on Easter morning, and um, I was fine. You know, I, um, they had so you to... Went, you went into a coma on Good Friday. Mm -hmm, and, and woke up on Easter. On Easter Sunday. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, God didn't do that coincidentally. It was, it was on purpose. So, yeah. you know, so it was funny... Um, when I woke up, you know, I still had a, you know, ventilator tube in my, my lungs and stuff, so I was writing notes, 
And my mom said, I knew that you were okay because your, your spelling was perfect, like it always was. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was just like a total miracle, and we all knew it. And so when I woke up, you know, my brother was like, so you being a drug addict doesn't work for us anymore. And I was like, cool, I'll go to, I'll go to rehab, I'll go to treatment. And he's like, well, there's this place in Detroit. And I was like, Detroit? I'm not going to Detroit. And he said, well, it's not technically in Detroit, which is a lie. Because um, <laughs> it is, it's in the hood. And, um, and uh, he was like, um, and if you don't go, we've all agreed that you're not a part of our family anymore. If you don't go and if you don't stay and if you don't, you know, just try it. But if you don't go and you don't stay, then um, you're not you're not allowed to be a part of us anymore. And wow. which sounds really extreme, but that's what I needed. Yeah. I really needed that, like because I was so headstrong on doing it my own way, and I tried, and it didn't work. I tried to fix it on my own. Mm -hmm. So, um, <clears throat> so when I <laughs> when my parents drove me there, I was so mad because um, I went directly from the hospital to Life Challenge. And um, when I pulled up, there's this giant sign in front that says Bible Institute. I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, this is terrible. I don't want to come here. So, And we had to, at that time, they don't do this now, but you had to wear dresses. The women had to wear dresses, which sounds really cultish. I'm like, you guys, they're making us wear dresses. Like, you should know that this is a cult. Yeah. <laughs> we tried so, that our first few weeks at Fieldstone, but it didn't catch on. Yeah, it didn't so catch on. Were... I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know so what the problem is. Yeah. So, I, I mean, anyway, it was, I decided after a couple of weeks of being mad, um, which takes a lot of energy, I decided that I was going to take everything that I thought I knew about God and start over. Hmm. Just start from the ground up and decide that, you know, I don't know what God is about. I need to relearn all that. And that was something that my brother said to me was that, you know, I want you to go there and I want you to start over. Just, just the way that you think, because the way that you think isn't working. Mm -hmm. So um, I just received so much healing there. I received so much, um, you know, uh, the word of God ministered to me in a way that I'd never allowed it to before. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of what led me to Life Challenge. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Um, okay, so you're both at Life Challenge. You're getting well. You're doing all the Jesus stuff. You're in the Hall of Reverence or Reverence. What's it called? Reverence Hall. Reverence Hall. Yeah, yeah. Which just means you can't talk. That's what Reverence says at Life Challenge. Oh, okay. Hopefully you'll catch on to the idea of Reverence. Now but, I yeah, know yeah. how why you struggled with it so much. Yes. You just couldn't talk. <laughs> We're friends, by the way. Just so you know, it, if you don't know the Powell family, all this just means I love you. Um, that's it. That's, that's kind of how we operate. So I'm sure I'm not a Powell. You might be. You might be. Uh, so it's a crazy time of life. You're trying to get things figured out. So in the midst of this, the Bible memorization and, and all the stuff and, and the rule about not talking to the men. How, like, how did this happen? So we kind of... <laughs> how did you fall yeah, in love at rehab? I know, right? <laughs> no. Well, we kind of became friends because Brian was in charge of the choir. And even though he was new in the program, they knew him. And so they knew how talented yeah, he was. Yeah, they knew all about Brian. They knew all about <laughs> Brian. So they put him in charge of the choir. And so well, that's. This was a real, this is a sidebar. I forgot about this. It was really yeah, yeah. interesting. I come back into the program and they knew that um, I had the history. I knew my history. Me and Pastor Jeff had, you know. Uh, history. One of the cool things is they welcomed me back out in the parking lot, and Brother Bob was there. You had to call brother, everybody by brother, whatever, or sister, whatever. Sister Sheila, Brother Bob, Brother Jeff. You can you dress them. Justin, there are no. assemblies of God, yeah. if that says anything. Yeah. Uh, so, so it was an AOG thing. It's cool. So anyhow, I saw Brother Bob, but he says, welcome, welcome back. Welcome home, son. Welcome. So, so glad to have you here. There was never this, hey, you know, <laughs> told you so. 
That spoke volumes to me, mm. right? That they welcomed me in my fallen brokenness. They're like, we're glad you made it back alive. We're glad you're here. Come on in. Um, and I was looked at because I was really happy to get out of that jail cell. Mm -hmm. So I was the goofy guy, one of the few that was like, I'm happy to be here. And they're like, what's wrong with that guy? Yeah, we <laughs> were all like, he is so weird. But I, I knew something because I, I knew, yeah, I knew yeah, that, that yeah. God had great plans. But it was interesting. She started, uh, I heard her sing. And I was like, I got to get to hear that. I knew that voice. You know, unlike you guys. You, know, like you saw Kathy do a, uh, what was it, catch a Oh, football? yeah, I fell in love with Kathy because she caught a football. And I was watching. I was like, <laughs> yeah. ah, I got I to gotta meet that girl. <laughs> and I, I fell in love with Marion because I heard her sing. I'm just like, I need to hear. I, I couldn't even see her because you can't turn around. You turn around, you're going to get yourself a two-piece. Uh, they take away two, uh, two pieces. They take away two <laughs> hours of your free time, right? Okay, okay. So, all right, so and two pieces <laughs> bad. Ten pieces, like, horrible because you only get two hours of free time. You know, a week, okay. really, so okay. to take away your free time. But what was interesting is I asked them, am I in a reentry program? Program, And reentry program would mean you'd only have to do six months of life challenge instead of the whole year. And they'll let people do that from time to time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they will, if you are a hard sell, they'll say, yeah, so uh, you're going to do two months of lower growth, two months of middle growth, and two months of upper growth. Okay, So those are the mm -hmm. three stages that you do for reentry. Uh, if you're really a problem case, they will let you do three months of lower growth, two months of middle growth, and one month of upper growth, and then graduate you and let you know. They let me know I was doing a reentry program on the fifth month, the 29th day. They said, you're doing a reentry program. I'm like, oh, I graduate tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, we had to let you know that yeah. you were doing a whole, because I would manipulate the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, so. All right, so my question is, who cares? Right. So we're, who we're cares <laughs> on that was, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I know you're going somewhere, but take us there soon, Brian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he, yeah. he started. Right, hold on, hold on. Someday, because this Roots thing is something we want to do kind of <laughs> annually. So right. at some point, if I approach you about sharing your story, I promise it'll be different than what I'm doing with Brian. He'll be yes, more gentle absolutely. than, yeah, than it'll, with it'll Brian. It'll be different. So he was in charge of the choir and basically... Um, uh, we we got to work together because of that, and and I, I at that point I still thought he was weird. I was like, you know, and, and and the funny thing is is that we worked together and it was just friends. Like he never he never hit on me. It wasn't like that. Like he was just so nice to me and so respectful of me. And um, after and then and then we began to work together as interns, which we still weren't allowed to work together a lot, but we got to know each other better that way. And, and then I moved into my brother's house and moved away from Detroit. And we would still talk on the phone. And one weekend, um, I asked him to come to our church and share his story. And because he plays piano really well, and there's this beautiful piano. And I was like, you could play. And so um, when we got together that Wait, weekend. you play the piano too? He yeah. doesn't like I people know to that. know that because know he that. doesn't want, really okay. like to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, that weekend, it was weird. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, we're here by ourselves. And, you know, even though my brother was around and stuff, but he shared with me that he had always really cared about me and wanted to, to date me. And I was like, well, here's the thing. I told <laughs> God that I'm not interested in getting married, and so I'll pray about it, but I don't see it. <laughs> So God always likes it when we tell him things. I know, yeah. I know, right? That's good. So the whole the whole point behind the, the impatient thing yeah. for the six yep. months was my entire life has been, and, and if anybody's ever dealt with an, an addict, is I want what I want when I want it, and that is yesterday. Mm -hmm. I need immediate gratification. 
with Miriam, she was willing to, uh, I was willing to wait for that. Mm -hmm. I was willing to, you know what? I'm in this thing, I think, for the long haul. I don't, I'm not interested in her right now as a quick fix me up. Matter of fact, I don't even want to be with her, but God keeps shoving us together, putting us together. Yeah, and that was the funny thing is that, like, like all the guys that I, and, you know, I had made so many mistakes previously in my life that all the guys that I had been with were of my choice. And it was like God was showing me something different with Brian. And um, so it was funny when we would see each other, I just began to fall in love with him. And I'm like, this is so annoying. I don't want to fall in love with him. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, and it's funny because he's a lot like my dad. And so that's really funny. But um, Can I tell you, do I have a second to tell you quick <laughs> of how we, how we actually started getting together, right? What really attracted please, me to her? Please. So I'm sitting there playing piano in the chapel. she's super annoyed, so I need to right. hear some, <laughs> some chirping of birds and, and whatever. So I'm playing the, story, the piano, yeah. right, because this is the first time that they put us together. Yeah. Right? To, and work, together. to work together. And so now it, it's kind of weird. So they said, we're going to have Brian work with Miriam's voice. At that time, I was her choir director, so I could boss her around. Now I'm her husband. I don't get that anymore, right? So... <laughs> And right. so she's like, that's, you know, that's right. So I'm playing piano, and they had put Sister Michelle in the room with us, and she was to talk to, to Miriam. So I would be like, hey, Sister Michelle, tell Miriam she needs to open her, and I'm playing piano, tell Miriam she needs to open her jaw more, drop her jaw, open up her mouth. Mary, Michelle's like, Miriam, you need While you you're need both to, in the same room. In, right, yeah. so Miriam's okay. back I'm behind like, me because him. I can't look <laughs> at her. I can only hear her. I can't look at her because you can't look at each other, right? That's the rule. And so I'm talking to Michelle. Tell no, Miriam we're talking to, about uh, it's rehab, okay? It's There's rehab. different rules. That's right, yeah. It's okay. So she tells Miriam, <laughs> you need to open your mouth, Miriam, because I heard him. Tell him I am. Yeah, so. Yeah, she, but she's like, you need to wait till be spoken to. Just tell him. So I'm like, I'm waiting for Michelle. Michelle's like, so she says she is. I'm like, tell her she isn't. So all of a sudden, I get this <laughs> crack along the backside of my head from her. She smacks me, which is like, that's grounds for dismissal. You can get dismissed. You touch another person of the opposite sex who is in the program. He deserved it, though. Uh, yeah. And uh, that was it. So Michelle's just like, <sighs> she was mortified. Yeah. So she's like, hey, I got to go tell Pastor Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Michelle's yeah. a rule follower. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. after that, they said, you guys don't have to do that anymore. Just talk to each other. Yeah. So, so But did. to all that to say is that, um, you know, <laughs> God used that in our lives to to show us the right way to be a couple because neither of us really knew how to, you know, have a good relationship. Both of us had failed a lot. So, wow. you know, um, and something else, you know, that God taught me is that being um, someone who uh, has struggled with addiction, it's not about not using drugs for me anymore. You know, um, I had been through treatment and that's that's what it's about in, in certain programs is how long have you been clean and all that. And to God be the glory, I haven't used drugs or alcohol in almost um, like over 11 years, which I am extremely thankful to God, but that's all God. You know, I don't concentrate on today's my whatever day clean. I concentrate on today is another day that I get to follow Jesus. Mm. One of the things, to add on to that, one yeah. of the things that I had learned at one of the, um, I think it was uh, Dukoski Hall, uh, they told me that I had a biopsychosocial disease characterized by the inability to predict controlled uses, chronic, progressive, and incurable. Right? Good for them. Good for them. That meant absolutely nothing in my world, right? Yeah. Ours okay. either. And right. what that meant was is <laughs> I had a disease for life that was incurable, hmm. and it was chronic, and it was progressive. And they told me the problem I had. When I came to Life Challenge, uh, 
Pastor Yodark says, you know, would you like the good news or bad news? I said, give me both. He goes, well, the, good, the bad news is you're a dirty, rotten sinner, and you're going to hell. I'm like, all right. He goes, what, what's the good news? He goes, there's a loving, caring, miracle-working Savior who loves you, who died for you, gave his life for you, and wants to have a personal relationship with you, and he will set you free and transform you by the renewing of your mind if you will invest in him and his word. Would you like to have that? And I'm like, Yes. He goes, you have a year to figure that out. And uh, so, yeah. and that was it. And so I grabbed on to, like Miriam said, the dumping, the trash, the computer. It was not about what I was doing. It was about who I was following mm. and the relationship. And I started to have that relationship instead of that religion. Yeah. And to, I'm not perfect. And I think and that's something that I learned too is that um, even if, even if we haven't struggled with drugs or alcohol, like we're all in recovery from sin. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all in recovery. We're, we're all needing God to, to do his thing every day to, to make us new. So yeah. I, I'm so thankful for that, that it's not really about that drugs and alcohol anymore. Yeah. It's about being new. Yeah, that's good. Well, at this time, these guys are going to um, do a special song for us and, and then we'll close with another worship song. And um, just appreciate it. Can we give them a hand just for the, their willingness to share their story?